Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors. 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Can't ask for a better new inventory than that. Great pre owned inventory, great selection. All with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. means a lot. Fabulous service department, a sales staff that works with you, and some great deals to be had right now during this holiday season. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Neil Kulong in a few moments. Rob Motti will be echoing his uh, inner Macatrillo on the Eagles at 435. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. Driving. Up by Brockington, and good. Of Brockington, course. a new career high, 24 points. Yes, yeah, they earned a starting spot, and now you know why. He has been sensational tonight. He also had a career equaling eight rebounds last night. A career game for him, his third career 20-point game. First one this season with a career high, 24 besting his previous 23 against Iowa in the Plestra last year. Penn State 3-1 at Michigan Big Ten opener Sunday at 2 on beginning at 1.30. By the way, Michigan was supposed to play NC State this week. That was postponed because of NC State's corona problem. So Michigan went out and picked up a game tonight with Toledo at 6 o'clock in a last-second game. You know, Michigan's in, in terms of the geography of this, Let's take Penn State, for example. Penn State's still trying to work out what they want to do at Drexel, but do they have other options if Drexel can't do it to be that additional non-conference game? Here's the problem Penn State has. The Ivy League is not playing at all this year, so all those teams are out. The Patriots is playing conference games only, and they're not starting until January. So that's out. So, you know, maybe the NEC, Northeast Conference, maybe the MEAC. All right. Now let's flip it to Michigan. This is where geography does make a difference. Michigan is sitting there, and they need a last-second game. Well, look at the MAC, the Mid-American Conference. In the MAC, they have 10 miles away, Eastern Michigan. They have Central Michigan. They have Western Michigan, and they have Toledo. All right there, that's an easy trip for any one of them. And I believe, mileage-wise, Toledo might be the second closest to Ann Arbor uh, after, obviously, Eastern Michigan, because Ypsilanti's just down the road, literally. They got a hold of Toledo. They had the opening. They're going to play at 6 tonight. All right. Let's get to the Steelers. The Steelers did not win for the first time this season. So for those of you who have wondered, especially the parents and the youngsters uh, who are coming in to talk to Santa, 
about what sounded like objects being thrown in the back of the building in a corner office? <laughs> Just frustration, that's all. We can confirm. <laughs> Neil, welcome. Always great to have you with us. That's good to hear. That makes me feel whole. I feel completed as a professional. I get to, to hear such great things each week. And you should. That was actually the game plan moving in. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, the, as time goes and you're winning and you're winning, every once in a while something starts to get exposed that you are trying to mask. We have brought up the Steelers ground game several times on the show in the past month. I think that's pretty fair. We've talked about about that. Uh, the unmasking of it was really on display last night that that is a primary weakness on this football team. Uh, can they? Can you expect them to win with Ben Roethlisberger throwing 53 times, or is it, does it have to be reeled into the 30s to somehow give them a better shot? You know, I, I, something like that I think is more uh, situational and circumspect than it is anything tangible. I, I don't think they wanted to throw 53 times, but I clearly think there was a game plan um, in, in mind in which they were going to throw a lot of short passes to really kind of mitigate uh, the, the running game that they just simply don't have and barely even tried to, to establish uh, last night. And there is some validity to that. I mean, we're seeing it more and more. Um, Juju Schuster, for example, um, he's playing essentially a, a wide running back position right now. They're using him as, as a, a supplanted power game more than anything else. They're, they're trying to put him behind uh, – they're putting him behind a blocking um, – if they have a blocking tight end or a, a hard-blocking receiver and looking to, to make a move to get upfield to get you know four, five, six yards at a time, uh, largely because they can't run the ball for that. Um, I don't think they necessarily say that we want 50 passes in this game, but you know, games tend to kind of get out of control when you're behind. Uh, you might tack on five or six more passes to upset that balance a little bit. But this was a game I, I feel that they wanted uh, to challenge Washington's secondary. They wanted to get their receivers uh, in space and challenge their athleticism. And I think there's some validity to, to wanting to do that. Um, Washington answered the bell, though. Washington was challenged in, in a similar fashion um, by Ron Rivera the same way that I, I believe John Harbaugh did to the Ravens the previous week. The, the Steelers are not going to throw deep on you. They're going to try to get their shoulders square down the field and, and beat you athletically. Um, you need to hit them. You need to put them on the ground where they kept the ball. I mean, both teams did a phenomenal job. Both defenses uh, provided, I thought, winning efforts for them against Pittsburgh's offense, which is now sagging tremendously from where it was. It's a matter of finding ways to get the Steelers' receivers in space where they're not you know, having to, to throw into and, and beat a defender who's on top of them the second the ball is out of the quarterback's hands. And they're not finding ways to do that right now. Um, part of that is the, the lack of being able to throw the ball deep. Uh, part of it is, I think anyway, a lack of real any real um, – you know, deeper middle presence from their receivers. They're not running posts. They're not running deep pitches or anything like that. Uh, it, it, it's it's a variety of things, um, but I, I really just sort of center on the fact that you know, in the end, it's a, a really long, extensive makeup. Uh, for the fact that they can't run the football. And even if they do, what's happening between the first and the 10 uh, is they're, they're getting into short-yarded situation, and they, they can't yeah. do anything, um, right. mostly because they're not running well, and they just can't do it. Um, I feel better third and seven than I would third and one right now, and that's not a good place to be. 
We know what Connor can do. I've always felt Benny Snell was limited on this level. Uh, I told you that when they drafted him out of Kentucky, I thought he was limited on this level. How much of it is the running back? And how much of it is the fact that David DeCastro was out for a period of time? He's now back. But right now, I think it's because of protocols, Pouncey's out. So they haven't had a couple guys working together in that middle area. So how much of it is that versus how much of it is is the running back and their style? I think there's a a variety of flavors in that soup. You've hit on a few of them. But really what I would look at more is – the replacement value of who's coming in. I don't think that uh, James Conner is an all-pro level player, but I I definitely don't think that Benny Snell is all that great. And I think we saw that last night. Uh, For a power guy, he takes an awful long time to get to the hole. Uh, He can't really cut. He doesn't have agility. Um, Jalen Samuels is really not much different. He's kind of the same guy. And I I don't know what exactly McFarland does. Uh, they can't play the game the way that James Conner can play it, right. and they're they're definitely taking a step back for not having Conner in there. It's just that you know Conner is not going to be you know 2014 Le'Veon Bell when he gets in there either. So no. um, it, the the floor here is far more important than the ceiling is, and that that's what you're going to see with the Steelers in terms of the, the skill players carrying the ball. And I think yesterday speaks volumes to that. They didn't even try to establish Benny Snell. They're throwing the ball to Juju on the side. Right. He's more yeah. of their running game. Um, you get Connor back, I think that does fix some things. Um, it, it really isn't much different uh, for Morkey's Pouncey uh, versus J.C. Asnauer. Um, Asnauer, I, it, I haven't really seen him do anything particularly well at this point. That's right. Um, I, I'm not sure if you really could have expected a whole lot from him. Uh, Pouncey no. is... I, I think Pouncey probably gets more media hype than, than he deserves and he earns as a player, but at the same time, an offensive line is a unit. Um, he's the anchor of that. He's the captain of that. Uh, the quarterback is comfortable with him. Um, we haven't seen him blow a snap recently, although I don't know what Hour did last night, but that's one of the most right. ridiculous things I've seen in an NFL game. Yep. It, it doesn't look good with him in the middle. Uh, he doesn't pick up on things. Pouncey, I think, makes Matt Filer better on his left. I think he makes David DeCastro on his right better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. We're not getting that right now. And their middle is a sieve. And we, we saw that repeatedly last night in the attempts that they tried to run the ball, whatever it is they did. And this isn't a team, contrary to popular opinion right now, that, that's lacking um, ingenuity or uh, other ideas. There's no stubbornness going on in their short yardage situation. They are doing different things. They are doing very different things, up to and including the, the tackle eligible play. Which I'm not sure we've seen yeah, that right. in a long time. That isn't even working for a, a variety of reasons. Uh, they've got a lot of problems. And yes, they, the, the absence of Connor and Pouncey are, are definitely two of them. Um, but they're needing to do more, and defenses are not going to really lay off the, the style that Baltimore and uh, Washington just gave them uh, their last two games. Buffalo certainly is going to pay attention to that. Yeah. They're going to know what to do, and they're, they're also a physical unit. I don't think they're, they're talent-wise they've shown uh, to this point this year to be as dominant as a, a Baltimore or Washington can be, but they're good, and they're well-coached. So it, it's not as if this gets easier for Pittsburgh uh, on a short week again. They're going to have to find a way to get the ball deeper down the field to try to keep the safeties outside the five-yard range of the quarterback the way that they were the entire second half last night. And with that, open it, open it up and, and be able to utilize the athletic advantage that they usually have with their receivers over the opposing secondary. They just they can't do that right now. 
A misused term for me uh, in the world of sabermetrics is war, wins above replacement. Although I will get to that in a moment when I get to a different position here. To me, it's performance above replacement. How great, how much better a performer are you above the person that would replace you? And we're seeing that in, in, in those two key areas there. I want to get to TJ Watt for a moment. There's no Bud Dupree for the first time on the opposite side. So he, who already gets a lot of attention to begin with, is getting even more now. What did you think of that performance, considering all the attention he was getting last night? It's, it's primetime T.J. Watt. Um, yes, you know, yes the, it is. When the stadium lights are on, he, he plays. I know how cheesy and cliche that sounds, but it, it's the truth. You watch him in any primetime game, that's the kind of performance that he has. Um, if anything, I think maybe he knew that, and I think maybe he's pushing a little bit. That's why he tried to get up to pick up that ball. Um, if he just covers it up, that Steelers probably win the game. Um, I'm not going to – after the play he just made, I'm certainly not going to call him out for it. But you, you can't always do everything yourself. There was a point in which in the second half, the Steelers' offense had to take over and just find a way to, to, to put points on the board right. to put the game away. Um, they had done it a couple times uh, throughout the season, a couple games I think they probably you know should have lost overall. This one got away from them because they couldn't make that one big offensive play, especially late. But uh, Watt played the type of game with or without Bud Dupree that we are used to seeing him uh, play on that big stage. I think he is a, a defensive player of the year candidate, if not the winner right now. And uh, it, I'm not sure how much the absence of Bud Dupree is really going to impact that unless they want to sell out completely and put three guys on him. Um, My experience is with any defensive player, you just can't do that the entire game. Um, Some do a better job of of keeping him in check than others, but by and large, if you don't have him covered up, uh, you better have a pretty good team to get away from him. In other words, you you shouldn't have Eric Ebron waltz down the line and just not bother to to check him and let him come in and make a play on the goal line. Uh, The Steelers know firsthand what happens if you don't check the defensive athlete on the edge. So it's a matter of what teams want to do, how they want to dictate um, defensively what the Steelers are going to do. They can run stuff at Watt all day, and they can play off the line. I remember, in fact, Buffalo did that quite a bit last year in the the primetime game um, that they played, and Watt made a couple plays on them down the field. Um, They may do that. Um, They may try to to control the clock and and run at him all game. He's going to make a couple plays that way. Uh, either way, he's going to do a thing or two. That's just T.J. Watt. He, he's he's a, a, an incredible player. I think he's the best defensive player the Steelers have had in, in a while, um, and he's going to make an impact. He might have to be have to continue to be the most valuable player of that team, which he is this season. All right, so let's stick on the most valuable player part for a moment. Aaron Rodgers justifiably gets publicity as a possible MVP candidate. Russell Wilson justifiably gets the same publicity. Patrick Mahomes obviously gets the same publicity. I just talked about performance above replacement, but I said I would get the wins above replacement in a moment. Well, that moment's arrived. Ben Roethlisberger is the quarterback of this team. They've gone from an 8-8 eight and eight team to an 11-1 and one team. They may be, let's just say, conservatively 13-3 and three when this is over with. That's five more wins than last year because they changed one guy. Should Ben Roethlisberger be considered an MVP candidate? I think that's one component of it. Um, I do think the issue comes down to whether or not that stack can be viewed in a vacuum because Mahomes was the quarterback of his team last year. Rodgers was the quarterback of his team last year. 
Um, they did it last year, you know, and unless we're going to go back to the time where those guys weren't the quarterbacks of their team, um, it, it's it, it's understandable to say who the most improved would be if there's a kind of a, a, a sub MVP and most uh, uh, you know comeback player of the year or something like that. What player improved their team the most? You look at a Roethlisberger and say, absolutely, that's right there. But uh, the reason the Packers aren't losing games is still because of Aaron Rodgers. You know, the, the defending champs right, no, are, are not right. losing games because of Patrick Mahomes. It, it's hard to with what they're doing offensively. Uh, it, it's it's hard to take either of those two out of the equation. And I, I've been saying, I, I think Roethlisberger belongs in the conversation, but that's honorary more than anything. I don't think he belie- I don't think he deserves MVP. Um, you know, a legitimate MVP argument. But I, I certainly think you have to say he has been one of the most valuable players uh, to his team this season. And we can definitely make the argument based on the dumpster fire that they were last year. You know, it was it was even worse than the last two games that they played last year. Uh, the main problem they have right now is they have receivers who can't catch the ball. So you get rid of that. I don't think that the offense is as stagnant uh, looking as it has been. It definitely has flaws, and we should you know, take that into account. Uh, Roethlisberger is doing this without a running back, without a running game. I mean, it, it's, I don't know how, how well he is able to throw the ball deep down the field. So he has to complete 70% of his passes, and those passes have to be thrown to a place on the field against a defense in which the receiver is capable of turning up field and making a play. Most people want to say that that's credit to the receiver, but you notice it now when Ben doesn't hit a guy in stride, when it's off a little bit and it's actually still caught, you, you notice that because the receiver isn't able to get up and, and make plays. Then they get into a, you know, a third and long situation compared to like a third and two that he can convert. So you put all that together, I, I think it, it's probably too detailed of an argument to say that he legitimately should be the MVP. But I definitely think he's having a, a, a much more uh, valuable season to his team than he's being given credit for, especially nationally. My friend, thanks so much. Appreciate it very much. Great to have you with us. And again, we'll have another brilliant intro next week. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong, great to have him with us. Rob Motti will sound a lot like Mac Trillo next half hour. We'll see. By the way, uh, did you get my gift? Your gift? Yes. I, I sent uh, four blocks of cheese to go with your wine. <laughs> All right. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This year, don't just cope with winter, command it. It's the Command the Season sales event at Sunbury Motors Kia. season, Sunbury Motors Kia has the deals on the new lineup of cars and SUVs built to help you take on winter during Kia's holiday sales event. Sunbury Motors Kia has the 2021 Kia Sportage with rebates and discounts up to $45.58 off. There's 29 in stock. There's 13 of the 2021 Kia Forte available. The Forte gets 41 MPG and starts at $18,497. Plus, SMC has the all-new redesigned 2021 Kia Serenum arriving weekly. 14 or do this month and next. Remember,
Chrysler. Every new Kia comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. It's the Command the Season sales event at Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Restrictions apply. Financing through KMF. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. See dealer for details or go to Kia.com. I think Eric is correct. I think it's important to surround yourself with positive people. (laughs) Are you suggesting you're not doing that right now? I just think it's important to do that. (laughs) You know, I mean, I look around at the staff meeting, and I think most of the people there are positive. And the not positive one isn't. (laughs) But then we start talking about pro football and then the Eagles come up and nobody's positive. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's the I mean the vitriol, the anger. Uh, just it's sad. It's just just sad. Changing quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't want to be mad about this. I didn't think we were going to be after just winning a Super Bowl three years ago. Well, again, it's all designed for the NFL is designed for the champions to fail. Unless you have a general manager like Brett Veach. Yeah. All right. Great to have you with us today. They're going to go with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. You can just feel a change in the wind like a gale. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, which is 1115 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, which 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. Rob Motti now joins us from 97.5 The Fanatic. Rob, we have a problem. We have several Eagles fans that work for us that... I'm concerned need to be talked off the ledge. So I figured so I figured you would be the perfect person to bring in to talk about it. And here's my concern. I'm concerned you may confirm about them jumping off the ledge. So, so what so let's start with Jalen Hurts, the savior. Your thoughts. Well, Steve, I don't like the move because this is Carson Wentz's team and he has earned the right to work out of the mess that the franchise has put him in. This isn't a mess that Carson Wentz created. 
It's one that the organization created. From the moment that they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round and declared building a quarterback factory is more important than building pieces around their franchise quarterback. And I feel that Carson Wentz right now is being scapegoated when he's got a revolving door offensive line. He's got young, inexperienced receivers who can't get open, who can't get separation. He's constantly under pressure. He's trying to do the best he can. Is he blameless? Absolutely not. He struggled, and he struggled mightily. But rather than scapegoat the franchise quarterback, I ask, well, what's going on? What's happening? The play calling is abysmal. They don't cater to his strengths. And all of this is added up to where we are right now, Carson Wentz heading to the bench, and next year his four-year $128 million contract extension kicks in. So this is an absolute mess of a situation for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they created it. How much of the creation of what we're seeing starts with the offensive line? I think if you had a pinpoint, and as you dole out blame, because it's not when you see a team at 3-8-1, and one, it's not one guy, it's not one coach, it's not one unit. It's across the board. But if you had to divvy it up, you would have to put most of the blame on the offensive line through no fault of their own that they've had to have they've been depleted by injuries they're missing one of the best in the business brandon brooks for the entire year they don't have the kid they drafted in the first round to be the left tackle uh, anchoring carson wentz's blind side lane johnson one of the most valuable players on the team you know the record this team has when he's in the lineup and out he's not on the field 11 different line combinations in 12 games the offensive line is the number one factor why this offense is where it is right now. And at least Jalen Hurts is quick enough and fast enough to survive back there. And, and by that I mean he can run out of the pocket, he can escape. You saw a little bit of that against Green Bay. And Carson Wentz has that potential, and we've seen him scramble more than he has in the past. But this is what this team is right now, and it's a uh, uh, a run-for-your-life situation for any quarterback they put back there. And if they had a more stationary guy, whether it was Nate Sudfeld or, dare I say, Nick Foles, those guys could potentially get killed back there behind this offensive line. What is the concern about the confidence level of this team? Because except for a few minutes, they haven't led in weeks. They have no confidence right now. Their confidence has to be shot because you look at a team that goes out there and, as you said, they don't take the lead. They fall behind. They're not doing anything particularly well. They used to be a great run-stopping defense. They're not anymore. you got guys busting long runs on them all the time. We see that consistently. They're not doing anything well offensively. They're susceptible to the pass. You bring in Darius Slay to be a shutdown corner, and two weeks in a row, D.K. Metcalf and Devontae Adams have their way with him. And to this week, he's got Michael Thomas coming up, and he's also on the injury list. So there's nothing that this team does well at this point. Their confidence has no matter what they say, they'll never tell you, yeah, our confidence is shattered. It has to be because they're a struggling unit. They're a 3-8-1 team. And the good news for Eagles fans 
is this. By inserting Jalen Hurts into the starting lineup right now, 10, 12 days ago, Doug Peterson said, essentially doing that, you're giving up on the season. He backtracked today. Well, I believe they are giving up on the season. They got this sixth pick in the draft. They got an opportunity this weekend to move into the top four if they lose and the L.A. Chargers win. And there's hope that they can get to the third pick in the draft. And really, that's what it's all about right now for the Eagles over the next four games. Because no matter what Jalen Hurts does, it's only four games. I'm not even convinced he's going to be the starter next week. Doug Peterson wouldn't uh, announce that. He just said it's this week that he's starting. So I don't know what they're doing, but they got to get a top-five pick, and they need to hit on it because their drafts have been abysmal. So if I give you positionally the option to assist them with the pick, what would your first position pick be? Man, you need help everywhere. Steve, you need help on the offensive line. You're getting old in a lot of areas. You don't know how much longer you can count on Jason Kelsey in the middle. You don't really know what Andre Dillard will be next year. Lane Johnson and uh, Brandon Brooks are coming off injuries. You need help. You need a stud on the offensive line. You can use a stud pass rusher because you're old and expensive on the defensive line. You absolutely need help in the secondary. And we know this team undervalues linebackers, and they'd never take a linebacker in the top five, but you need a linebacker too as well. And I still believe they need a playmaker at wide receiver because I don't know what Jalen Rager is going to be. I think he's got potential. He's missed a lot of time, so we still don't know. They're in a position where they can take the best available player at three or four or five or six unless it's a quarterback, which I don't think – you should do or will do given Carson's contract situation and the fact that it's going to be really difficult to move on from that unless you want to take on that incredible captain. What would you like to see from Jalen Hurts this weekend? Well, I think it starts with Doug Peterson and the offense. What I'd like to see him do with Jalen Hurts is what he should have been doing with Carson Wentz. Establish the run game. Take a little bit of pressure off your quarterback and take some pressure off your backup and third-string and fourth-string offensive line. Every lineman will tell you, my preference is to run block, not pass block. Because as a run blocker, you're attacking. As a pass blocker, you're retreating. So run the ball. Come out and make a concerted effort with Miles Sanders, who is one of the top running backs in the NFL when he's given the ball. I want to see Miles Sanders run the ball 25 times. Not 12, not 8, not 6, 25 times. Let Miles Sanders get in a rhythm. Let the offensive line get in a rhythm. You're facing the number one defense in the NFL. It is a difficult challenge for a rookie quarterback. If you do that, if you run the ball, then the play action might actually work. It hasn't worked all year long. No defense is fooled by the play action. Maybe it'll work now if you actually make an effort to run the ball. And then get Jalen Hurts out of the pocket. It works the two, three, four times a year that we've seen Carson Wentz roll out, which is his strength. Do that with Jalen Hurts, too, as well. You can't have your quarterback sit in the pocket because it's often collapsing, and then it becomes survival mode. 
So get him out of the pocket. Run some misdirection. Where's the screen game? It's been non-existent. I want to see some screens. I want to see the run be consistent. I want to see Jalen Hurts on the move. And maybe then you, you could take a shot downfield. You get guys coming open. And you can run this offense the way it was designed to be run rather than what it is. And that's just sit back, wait to get hit. You mentioned Rager earlier. He's been hurt. When he has played, has he shown potential, or are you still concerned because you have seen him play? There's been flashes of potential. and I'll go back to week one when he broke free for a beautiful, over-the-shoulder, 55-yard catch from Carson on a perfect ball on third and 22. We thought week one, wow, they got something here. And then he gets hurt, and that sets him back. Last week, it wasn't with Carson on the field. It was with Jalen Hurts, but there was a nice 34-yard catch. So we've seen some flashes, but the kid himself, and I spoke to Jalen yesterday in an extended one-on-one interview that's going to come out this weekend uh, on my Faith on the Field show, and he talked about getting better in so many different areas because defenders, the defensive backs, the secondary, play the Eagles in bump and run. And when they're playing these guys in bump and run, they have no fear that they're going to beat them deep. And what that's done is disrupted the flow and the timing of the rhythm of the offense with Carson Wentz, and it's led to a lot of incompletions. I want to see Jalen Rieger be a little bit more crisp in his route running ability, too, and he knows that. So I'm not ready to write him off. I know it's an un- I think it's an unfair comparison to Justin Jefferson, who's come in, taken a league by storm, and he's been a-, a Pro Bowl player this year as a rookie, and the Eagles passed on him. That's not Jalen Rieger's fault. That's Howie Roseman's fault that he made that move. I think Jalen can still have success, but he's got a long ways to go. All right. Uh, and you talked about the personnel part of it. All right. So when it comes to Doug Peterson, Jim Schwartz, along the line, to you, where does the coaching part come into this? And is there anything about the coaching part, some of the generalizations that are potentially unfair? Yeah, it's it's difficult. And I like Doug Peterson very much so, the man, the person that he is. But it's really difficult to look at this offense and not be critical because of the situations that they've put Carson Wentz in. And when you, don't, when you try and take a quarterback of his talent level and skill level and fit him into your system rather than build a system around him, that's on the head coach. Now, this is a head coach who won a Super Bowl only three years ago, and he was able to, in that year, build an offense after Carson Wentz went down and with the help of Frank Reich, that cater to the strengths of Nick Foles. I think people forget that when Nick Foles stepped into the lineup, he had initial success against the Rams, success against the Giants, struggled on a Monday night game against the Raiders, struggled against the Cowboys, and also had a tough time in the first playoff game against Atlanta. And what the Eagles did was go back to 2013 and the success that Nick Foles had in the Chip Kelly offense and ran plays that Nick Foles was comfortable with, and we all know what they did against Minnesota and in the Super Bowl against New England. Well, why don't you look at what Carson Wentz does well? Some of the things he did well in 2017, some of the things he did well in college, and fit your offense around him. And there's been a stubbornness issue. So we're going to learn a lot, Steve, over the next three, four weeks, no matter how long Jalen Hurts is the starter, because if this offense can operate smoothly and efficiently with Jalen Hurts, that's an indictment on Carson Wentz. 
I don't anticipate that happening. If it doesn't, then that's an indictment on the offense and the pieces and the system. Rob, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate your analysis very much. You got it, man. Anytime. Thank you, and uh, happy holidays in case I don't speak to you before then. I hope we do between now and then, but happy holidays to you, Rob. You got it, buddy. Thank you. Take care, guys. Rob Motti. The radio station is not responsible for any depressing comments that may send you closer to the break. Well said, Rob Monty. No, I thought the part where I did the disclaimer at the end that absolves the radio station of any responsibility was well said. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. The Big Ten eliminated its six-game minimum requirement for teams to compete in the conference championship game, and Ohio State will go to the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern. The Buckeyes' eligibility for the Big Ten title has been a national talking point for weeks. Of course, their game with Michigan canceled. But the reasoning, and the reasoning is sound, in other words, if Michigan played Ohio State and Ohio State lost, Ohio State still would have been in the Big Ten championship game because they beat Indiana as the tiebreaker. So that's why, that's the logic they're going to use. I mean, they never should have done this to begin with. They should have really couched it and said, hey, look, let's see. But the head-to-head victory over Indiana was going to be the determining factor. So even if they lost, they would still would have qualified for the Big Ten title game. So that's what they decided to do. Ohio State will get the free pass in. And we still don't know what's happening with Week 9 at all. There have been some thought initially of having the Eastern teams host because this was the year that the Eastern teams were supposed to host supposed to have five home games to four road games and the next year it goes west having five and so that was the thought well right now they don't know uh, the suggestion I made about Wisconsin and Minnesota playing each other for the 114th consecutive time evidently is a serious consideration. But as of right now, nobody knows. Um, It sounds like they want to go with home sites. The question will be, where? Who? How? And it goes back to the original point I made in the show oh, I don't know, about 90 minutes ago. Iowa, Northwestern, Indiana, Ohio State. What do they have in common? They're the only four schools in the Big Ten with more than two wins. The other ten have two wins or fewer. Amazing. It is amazing. Once again, the radio station is not responsible in any way for your personal depression based on our latest conversation on the Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) 
A message from this station, the Ad Council, and our attorneys, Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Yes. And I knew that when I signed my contract. I mean, I don't want to be responsible for your personal depression because somebody bluntly tells you that essentially your team is not good. It's all right, I knew that already. Yes, but he said it in a much nicer, authoritative way. As I predicted, yes. You said yours with, I would think the proper word would be vitriol. (laughs) (laughs) But see, this is... This just tells you the overall temperature with Eagle fans right now and Philadelphia in general. The way you just heard Rob explain everything is basically the best you're going to get. Rob did an excellent job. Yes. Solid. Yet our helpline has a lot of uh, calls on it right now. Our thanks, by the way, to Mark Bailey, who was uh, following us and uh, liking the uh, Steve Jones Show Facebook page. Mark, thank you. Appreciate uh, you taking the time to do something like that. Very nice. I, I, just, I get concerned about these things. I, I worry about. Yeah, I worry about you. It's. I worry about your young child being influenced at a tender age when you're supposed to be teaching him a solid backbone and good sportsmanship. And to have you pace around and like a madman and swear like a sailor, I just get really concerned. (laughs) So mild-mannered the rest of the time. And then, then the Eagles game starts. And then, well. The beast inside of me comes alive, as many Eagle fans say. I, I begged you to get help. <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> I begged you to get therapy. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. For Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory. Great service department, all that and more at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Care, it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, your Eagles outlet.